Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are doing a classic rom-com in a sense that like it's a movie. It's structured like a movie. It's structured like a movie. It has stars. People know the name, even if they haven't seen it. They're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that one. So it it's far more of a movie than a lot of the, quote, movies that we've covered. And that is uh, 2004's Along Came Polly, written and directed by John Hamburg, who wrote Meet the Parents, Zoolander, well, co-wrote, I guess. He co-wrote Meet the Parents and Zoolander and... <laughs> <laughs> Meet the Fockers. Um, so, you know, this is a, a Ben Stiller collaborator, and here we have a Ben Stiller rom-com, and it's him and Jennifer Aniston, and my favorite character, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, we also have Deborah Messing, Hank Azaria, Alec Baldwin, doing an accent that I feel is offensive except that this movie was made by Jewish people so I guess they're fine with it um yeah I I feel like they just let him run with whatever that was and you know I wasn't in the room so (laughs) just I think also I am immediately offended by Alec Baldwin so oh yeah just in general you know what I noticed about his accent though is that his Jewish accent is just like one dial away from his Trump accent. Like he really doesn't have that big of an accent range. Like it sounds the same to me. Yeah. He's not actually good at accents. He's just loud and he can do a voice and then kind of like turn it a knob one way or the other. But it's not like, it's not like he has a palette of accents that he's just picking from. Yeah. He mostly just has one. Um, so Along Came Polly is an interesting movie, especially an interesting movie with uh, Ben Stiller, because I feel like I've mentioned Ben Stiller before, and I mentioned that he's in the remake of The Heartbreak Kid, which we still haven't done yet, but we will. The original Heartbreak Kid is is a great Elaine May movie, a great kind of like dark movie about a guy who is like Jewish and he gets married to like a nice Jewish girl and like they're, they're happy and then they're on their honeymoon. And then he sees Sybil Shepherd and like, she's like blonde and not Jewish. And it's like the whole like shiksa thing. And then he completely like leaves his wife to go follow her. Because, and it's basically a comedy about how like, he just keeps ruining his life because he has no introspection. Um, yeah. He, rather than looking at where his anxiety is coming from and where his avoidance is coming from, he's just like following the destruction. Right. Yeah. And so um, along came Polly is like another version of that. It's just weird. Like he must like, I feel like Ben Stiller really likes the heartbreak kid, but maybe like doesn't get the heartbreak kid. Because there's no commentary here. Like, he he gets married to Deborah Messing. He loves her. He's, you know, he's, like, really into her. And it's it's weird because, like, 
it's so so much of it strange because he seems very very happy with her he seems very very into her and then she's nervous which is weird because like it's Deborah Messing. When you look at Deborah Messing, you think this is a person that would that wants to be married. She has like a yeah, she has I'm a, about to be married face. Literally, yeah, she has like cool married woman energy. That's definitely her. And so, but for some reason or another, um, they go on their honeymoon, and she falls for a scuba instructor played by Hank Azaria with a spray tan doing a French accent. Hank Azaria is nothing if not a guy doing an accent. Um, that's, that's all I'll say. Uh, yeah, he, he's just like this absurd French man who like never wears pants or a shirt. And he's going to teach her how to surf, I guess. Um, and then... Because Ben Stiller's character, Ruben, has, like, a lot of anxieties, um, and he works in risk management, so that's, like, an ongoing bit, is, like, him knowing the exact statistics and risk of every single action he could take or every activity he could be involved in. He's like, I don't feel good. Like my stomach doesn't feel good. Uh, this doesn't sound fun. So why don't you have fun, babe? I'm just going to go back to our room, get stuff ready for our romantic night. And then I'll come back and, you know, pick you up from the beach. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> Which feels like a weird move to me because you're on your honeymoon and, I guess I just don't get why one of them wouldn't be like, you know what? No, like, like she should have been like, oh, you don't want to do that. Or he should have just sucked it up and gone and done this experience with her. Yeah, I don't understand doing activities separately on, on the honeymoon. And I feel like just as I say this deja vu, like I've said this on this podcast before, that I don't get that. Um, but I really, I don't, I, I don't. Like, you're not supposed to be like, it's your time together (laughs) honestly your honeymoon is really you have sex you get room service you have sex again you go to a beach you have sex you get room service like you're not really even supposed to do activities like maybe you go hear some music or you check out a restaurant and maybe, maybe you go surfing for a few hours but it's not like oh let's go to the museum Like, your honeymoon is a sex vacation, so the fact that they're already doing things separate, and and Ben Stiller is like, no, I'll just go clean the room instead of doing anything fun. (laughs) I don't, and it's like, Ben Stiller is playing a character that made me very uncomfortable, because it's like, he's playing, like, like, this archetype of, like, a nervous Jewish person who's who does risk he like calculates risk and his name is Ruben and he like is nervous all the time and he's always like I just don't know and it's weird because it's like I use who is he making fun I feel like he's like making fun of an uncle or something and I feel bad for that uncle (laughs) I mean I I thought it was kind of funny but it was like so yeah it was so over the top like how like there was a point where I was like, okay, you can get a new bit for this character. This like character, he, he like I just is, this, this Seinfeld character that he's playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there are points where I was like, okay, he can expand the range, and of course, the emotional arc does shift a little near the end of the movie, but you know, it's in a very stock way, and it's only really tied to 
Jennifer Aniston, who we have not gotten to yet. No, we we haven't. But, so he, so yeah, he, on his honeymoon, she like leaves Frank Azaria and decides she's just like, I don't know if I'm ready to be married, which is insane because she's Deborah Massing, like. <laughs> Like when they go to the when he goes to yeah. the bedroom with Jennifer Aniston that first time and there's all the throw pillows on the bed I was like how is this bitch afraid about getting married with all of these throw pillows on the bed like, yeah. what so, yeah. she has so many throw pillows like you would assume he was her third husband like that's she she's got like fifteen what? throw pillows yes exactly okay um. So yeah, he so he so he has to come back and he's all nervous and upset and his boss is Alec Baldwin and it's the whole thing where the whole office knows that like cuz I mean, you know, you make a big deal of the wedding, everybody's going to know if the wedding doesn't go well. So unfortunately, like everyone knows and then he um oh, we haven't mentioned who Philip Seymour Hoffman plays. Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is the best man at the wedding, um plays his best friend who was in one teen movie a long time ago and is just obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah. Hoffman, I mean, first of all, always love to, you know, see him rest in peace. Um, but also, like, he was just so good. His character was so ridiculous and so good. And okay, he- wait, I was looking for the title of the movie. It's called Crocodile Tears. <laughs> yes, yes. So he's, yeah, he's like um, an angry narcissist who is washed up and, like, takes it out on everyone and, like, is in a, I just, oh, I love, like, he's in a community theater play and he keeps trying, he's in Jesus Christ Superstar and he keeps trying to play Jesus Christ even though he's supposed to play the devil. (laughs) And he just, like, keeps speaking over other people's lines and, like, is a diva and he's, like... And he's also, of course, kind of the stock, like, you know, the bro-y friend who is like, yeah, whatever. Oh, you want to go for her? Okay. But, like, he's just so good. He's so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's he really does make this movie, like, the basketball scene, truly. <laughs> it's just everything that he does is just weird. Like when he tell, Oh my God, that part where he tells um, Ben Stiller that he should just like give Jennifer Aniston a spanking. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're like eating pizza and he's like, you know what I like to do with the ladies? And it's like, of course no one asked. <laughs> and he's just like, when we're starting to make out, I like to give him the spanking. And then I, and then I, I call myself daddy. Like, Who's your dad? <laughs> and, and Ben's like, what are you talking about? Cause you know, Ben Stiller's character has only been with Deborah messing for years. Um, and so he's just like, what is dating? And, and yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman's just like, yeah, this is what you got to do. Um, and he's uh, he's just so good. And then, of course, Ben Stiller does try that later, and it does not work. <laughs> yeah, no, of course not. Like, I, could I, before we get into more of the plot, can we talk about how extremely 2004 this movie is? Like, there's a part where Philip Seymour Hoffman says that he sharded. I have not heard anyone say that since 2004. Yeah, it, it was... <laughs> I think one of the things that I enjoyed about the movie so much was that it did feel so specific to that time. 
Like it wasn't just like, oh, this is a rom-com. It was like, this is a 2004 rom-com. And even the slang that people use makes me feel like a teen again. There's a part where we listen to the entirety of a Black Eyed Peas song. The whole fucking song. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, I didn't even know which song it was, but it was like, it was the one that was like good. That was like a big deal. I can't remember. Do you remember Black Eyed Peas songs? I mean, I, I did used to listen to them. Um, I don't think everyone did. I just can't remember. Like, I almost want to like, Oh my God. Just, just looking at them on, on Spotify is bringing back so many memories. Where is it? Was it Pump It? No, no, no. It wasn't Pump It, was it? No, 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 no. No. Um, The fact that you're looking up Black Eyed Peas song titles shows exactly how 2004 this movie is. Oh my God, I forgot all about the song Don't Fuck With My Heart. Do we know off the top of our head? I mean, I think it was Let's Get It Started, but I feel like, no, I feel like there was, like, they had one, like, hit right before Let's Get It Started, and that's what the song was. Anyway, an entire Black Eyed Peas song. Like, I remember just, like, sitting there, just like, is that song still going? I don't even remember what the scene was, but it played through the entire scene. When uh, Jennifer Aniston was, like, dancing, um... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would assume that would be when, but I don't. Rem- I don't actually remember uh, hearing a full Black Eyed Peas song. I think I was just too entranced by the love story, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, right. This beautiful love story. So along came Polly. Is you know, there's a classic kind of. That's the other thing. Like the whole like. I don't even want to say the word, just, you know, the kind of character that comes along and she shakes up your entire life and, you know, everything changes. Yeah. Um, she's just she's like, spirited and she's, you know, she, she really takes life as it comes and opens your eyes to how you've got to just be in the moment and, you know, move past your fear and do something wacky. Um, I feel like the problem with this character, though, is that she's in her 30s, and it's very weird that she acts this way in her 30s, because I'm 28, and I don't act the way that she acts. <laughs> yeah, I do. Th- I, I I thought about that, too, because I was like, there is an aspect where that trope, the trope that shall not be named, um, where it, it is a lot of the traits associated with it are things that aren't really cute as you get older. <laughs> like, like being, you know, being an open-minded person, being spontaneous, being fun. Um, those are all great traits, no matter how old you are, but certain traits where it's like, Oh, they're destructive, but it's fun. Um, yeah, if you're 23, okay, sure, you're growing up, totally. But when you're in your 30s, normally your friends are either going to call you out or you're going to end up, I don't know, like... She, I mean, her, she's friends with Missy Pyle, and Missy Pyle is great in this movie, but she's not in enough scenes. I needed more Missy Pyle being like, what the fuck are you doing yeah, <laughs> with your life? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and it's not... um it's not the matter of her like not even knowing what she wants to do because that's 
that's something that a lot of people don't know. And even if you know what you want to do, like capitalism sucks. So it's not about her like needing to have some corporate career. It's just about the fact that she doesn't really seem to take responsibility for herself at all and just kind of lets other people clean up after her. Um, Yeah. She, okay. Do you understand this relationship with her and Ben Stiller? Because I don't see what she sees in him. I don't see what her general attraction is. Um, like she doesn't even seem like a person who dates very much. So I don't know. I couldn't figure out why she made an exception for him. And it's nothing wrong with him. I just feel like these are two people that don't fit. Not like don't fit in like a cinematic way. I mean, like don't fit. Like I don't want them together. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally agree. Cause I mean, I guess, so, you know, we're talking about Jennifer Aniston and her name is Polly. So she is the Polly that came along. Um, And she went to school with Ben Stiller's character when they were really young and they weren't close or anything, but she remembers him and she's catering at an art event that he goes to with Philip Seymour Hoffman. And she's just like, oh, hey, like, (laughs) of course, he goes to this art event right after his wife has left him for Hank Azaria. So he's not in a great place. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is just trying to get him back out there. And of course, you know, there's some like really elaborate installation piece that he knocks over. And somehow that's okay, but it's embarrassing. And Jennifer Aniston's like, wait, wait, is that Ruben? And she's just like, oh, hey, Ruben. And he's like, oh, shit. And, you know, of course, he's like, she's oh. got Aniston. So he's like, oh, she's she's hot. But he's they make, a, they make a, like a big to do about the fact that she was in Model UN. <laughs> they mentioned that's, it that's so many times. thing is that they were in Model UN together. And so, like... Um, that means something about them. I don't know. It's very funny. Obviously, your high school years inform who you are in certain ways, but it's always funny to me in these movies when people in their 30s are like, they're like, that's who you are. You did this thing in high school. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's like you were in model UN. Here's the thing. Okay, so I was a nerd in high school and I did not have a lot of friends. I do understand that like, when you have Model UN, that's a good thing for college applications. And usually the people who do that become like high achieving dorks. Um, but like not all the time. And uh, like, and you figure out later that because the reason why it didn't happen is because she found out that her dad was cheating on her mom and it like made her so upset that I guess she just, got knocked off the nerd path. I'm just like, I understand how that could be traumatic, but I don't know how that would completely alter her life. Unless like her life was like leaning towards marriage. Like, like, well, cause I, was, like, <laughs> I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. That was a weird thing to me because it, it felt like at least through Ruben, who kept bringing up the fact that she was in model UN, it felt like he was kind of shocked And when he was getting along with her, when he was attracted to her, he was really into the fact that she was so different than she was when as a teen. But then when they were fighting, he's like, you know, what happened to you? Which makes it sound like like all of her personality changed. Um, And if you're a person who, in general, is driven in a certain way um, or has ambitions in a certain way, like they might shift, they might change. You might have periods of time where you're not that tapped into that part of yourself, but it seems weird that her parents divorce from over 10 years ago would have thrown her so off that that part of her was just not there anymore. Yeah. Um, 
But but also, like, maybe she didn't actually like Model UN that much. You know, maybe Ruben was projecting that onto her. <laughs> I, the thing <laughs> is, is that, like, do stuff because they feel like they're supposed to. And then later they're like, I didn't really like that. And that's okay. You can be smart and not do that stuff. The thing is, is that, like, okay, if I get that, like, the nerd part of her left and it was gone and then it got. But what did it get replaced by? Because what? kind of person is Polly. All of their dates kind of go the same way. She takes him to eat food that she knows that he doesn't like. It's weird that we're pretending there's so much like, um, like kind of like choreography in the movie that makes it seem like she wouldn't know that the food made him sick. If someone's sitting across the like across a table from you you're going to know and the fact that they go to multiple restaurants with different kinds of like spicy mediterranean and asian food and he gets sick every time there's no way that she didn't know he like ruin doesn't he like ruin her toilet in the first date like yeah, something like that her toilet and then she ends up calling him back and it's like it's like her it's like him ruining her toilet was when she was like she wasn't even that interested in him and then she ends up calling him back after this humiliating date and it's like there was something that clicked that was like well you know <laughs> this guy ruined my toilet so i guess there's something i didn't i didn't get that either like that's such a weird thing like you were you brought him home clearly you were planning on fucking him and then he clogged your toilet and then you went out with him again yeah i I really didn't understand why they were connected to each other i understood why he was into her because i felt like it was such a classic projection where she was so different than him that he's just like wow like you're just doing whatever you want even though it was a very shallow kind of like, okay, but what is she doing? She, she, she eats good food and she is good. Like, I guess she knows how to salsa dance. Um, she, she does eat spicy food and then dances a lot, which like those two things don't always go together. It's always weird that they're having these like elaborate meals. And then she's like, I'm going to go dance. <laughs> I know. Also, I do blame him a bit for his indigestion because even um, most restaurants with spicy food, there's non-spicy options. There's meals. There's like dishes that aren't spicy. You can, that's the thing. Like, like you can just Italian get food isn't actually that spicy. It's like hummus is not going to make you shit your pants. So it's like, what is he doing? <laughs> In any restaurant like that, you can get a meal that's essentially meat and rice. Exactly. You can get a meat and rice anywhere. <laughs> on your stomach. So like, obviously not the most emotionally complex detail to get caught up on, but I was fixated a little bit with the fact that he just like, didn't try to set himself up for success. Neither did she. And they were just cool with him, like shitting his pants every date. <laughs> no, yeah, no. And I mean, that's like, how did they ever fuck when he's constantly shitting his pants? Right. Like you're not like, like on one hand, like, why is she down? Like, I'd be like, nah, dude, I'm going to let you shower and we'll, we'll, we'll do this next time. And also how does he feel like sexy? <laughs> right. I mean, there's so many factors and I feel like, I'm, like, going to put on some comfy pants and snuggle and go to sleep. (laughs) The thing is, is that, like, it seems like we're nitpicking, but we're really not. Because these are two adults in New York. They're dating in an environment that we're both familiar with and situations that we're both familiar with. And they're acting like fucking lunatics. (laughs) They are. And also, like, this isn't nitpicking also because literally, like, 80% of their love story is just them at restaurants 
him shitting his pants and then them going to this salsa place where she dances with a guy that Ben Stiller ends up getting jealous of, but is gay. And like, that's like, honestly, their, their whole quote love story is just like that. And yeah, it's just like a lot of eating, like more eating than I've seen in like I like I can't think of a movie where eating was this central. Like not even like the one that was about the pizza places. I feel like food wasn't. <laughs> food yeah, wasn't I agree. Central. I think I think if we made a chart that was like meals per capita of the of the movies, meals per minute, <laughs> meals per minute count, um, this would win of all of the episodes that we've done. And like. I mean, really, honestly, what happens is we just see them go on a bunch of dates. And for some reason, she has decided that she's into him. But we don't really ever know why. Because it's not like she's complimenting him. Like, he's just like, you're so cool. That's, um, that's true. She never, it's like she's not mean to him. But she never says anything particularly nice to him either. Like, it just seems like. No. She lets him stick around. Like, and I mean, it's not mean. It feels teasing, like, in a flirty way. But, but that's really all the feedback she gives him is like, you need to loosen up. And so it really is kind of baffling that they have this. I mean, honestly, I don't really believe she's that into him the whole time. No, no, I don't believe it either. Like, and near the end of the movie, like we're skipping ahead, but she like, she's getting ready to leave town. And it's like the fact that she stays for him is the weirdest thing. Like, what are you staying for? What is the commitment? Also, okay. So let's talk about love for a second, like love as a concept. Okay, so they're doing the eating, they're doing the dancing, and of course there's the whole thing where um, the guy who turns out to be gay teaches Ben Stiller how to do the salsa, and Ben Stiller does the salsa in this very loud purple shirt, and he's doing it, and it's like, you know, he's like spinning her around and everything, and she's really into that. Um, Well, the thing is, is that he's not like that, usually so you being impressed by this i guess is fine but this is never going to happen again right relationship so this is like if this is when you're most attracted to him it's actually a bad sign (laughs) yeah and there's also just the fact that like i just don't know the thing ben stiller can be sexy and i've like i've like seen him in person and he's like a handsome guy He's not in his element. He's not in his element in this movie to be sexy. It's impossible for him to be sexy in this movie. And she seems to be somebody that actually cares about that kind of thing. So yeah, I agree because, like, he his character, the comedy of his character is that he's the straight guy essentially. Um, and so it limits Ben Stiller because Ben Stiller is really funny and he doesn't really get to be that funny in this movie because he's, cause like the biggest bit that he does is like shitting a bunch, um, and being nervous. And so it kind of steals some of his charm, which is what makes him attractive. Even, I mean, as you know, like if you watch Ben Stiller movies, it's not like he's playing sexy men, but he's playing very vibrant men, regardless of how ridiculous they are. And so that's where his energy shines through. And this, it's like Jennifer Aniston is supposed to carry the comedy in certain ways, and she is a good comedic actress, but her character is so thinly written. It's like she's obsessed with traveling and other cultures Um, But she doesn't even have an angle for that. It's not like she's not a writer. She's not an artist. She's not like a historian. She doesn't have like a specific thing that's tying her to that. She just loves to wander. She loves like not committing to things. That's the thing like 
um, when he like critiques her for like not committing to things and not being an adult, he's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Her whole and, thing is that she's not an adult. Like I was like, I, I wouldn't want to be friends with her. She seems like somebody that you can't depend on somebody that you can't have any kind of emotional intimacy with someone who you're going to have to like fight to get to hear like how they feel or how they feel about you. And like, she just like, she's so (laughs) avoidant. That's her whole, you know, her character trait is like running away. That's kind of her whole thing. It's, is she runs away. Um, and sometimes it's because she's excited and wants to go check something out, but usually it's because she doesn't want to get close to people because I guess her parents divorced. And so that's why she can't, just have any emotional closeness at all. You're Um, in your 30s. Why are you still on it about your parents getting a divorce? Maybe because I'm not a child of divorce. My dad just died. Um, It's not like, I'm just not a child of divorce. But I just don't know. Sometimes I'll be watching a movie about white people in their 30s and they're still talking about this shit and I just don't get it. I don't get how you're still on this. Is there anything else? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Good <laughs> <I don't, laughs> question. Um, I don't know. Like, it just seems like comedy writers, like comedy sitcom writers and rom com writers, they all have like divorced parents, and so comedy, so much comedy is so focused on like talking about it over and over and over again. It's so. Oh, it's so irritating. <laughs> yeah, it's it is like I have noticed that as well that it's such a and and obviously like I don't know, my parents aren't divorced, so there's not I don't have that firsthand reference point, but it is like such a common theme. Um and it's like this attachment to their relationship, which I mean, I think yeah, if you grow up and you believe that your parents love each other and then they're like actually we don't or we do and it's awful, then sure, that's going to affect you. But it is it is definitely a thing. I also, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I also feel like 2004 was during a moment when like divorce was such a big theme in movies. Yeah. Um, like Noah Baumbach's trying to bring it back with Marriage Story, apparently. But like where it was just like, Oh yeah, well their parents are divorced. <laughs> it's divorced. Yeah, so I mean the the, the, the whale comes out the year after. <laughs> their dad left their mom, and that's like the whole thing. <laughs> and I feel like there are so movie, many movies like that, specifically from like 10, 15 years ago. And um, I don't know if it's just a lot of people were talking about it, so then more people decided to talk about it. I'm not sure. They, I, it might have like snowballed. But it's just like when 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 the central relationship is like this and the drama is so thin, like all I want to see is Philip Seymour Hoffman playing basketball and calling himself white chocolate. Like (laughs) fantastic. Yeah, because it is because, again, it's like it feels like you got Jennifer Aniston, you got Ben Stiller on screen. You have like this. There's an incredible cast here. Um, So why are the two characters that we're going to watch the most so underwritten? Um, like, I don't really know either of them. I know very basic things about them, but it it doesn't even feel like the movie tries to give them more texture. It feels like it just, instead of giving them more texture, it just throws them on more dates than most of these movies would have. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's the whole like parade of embarrassment thing that Ben Stiller loves so much where it's just like, 
it's so funny how this character, how his character is just tortured by everyone around him. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah, it is definitely. That's a great way of putting it. Parade of embarrassment. Um, and speaking of, eventually, uh, you know, when their relationship is going well, uh, Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston get back to his place. And uh, who is there but his wife, Deborah Messing, because they have not gotten divorced yet because she's been, you know, with French guy. <laughs> so, you okay. know, divorce takes so, papers. Deborah Messing in this movie, I've never, like... I don't know if I've been angrier at a character that does that doesn't have that much screen time. Like just looking at her, I was just like, because I'm just trying. I just couldn't. I know that it's like a movie. I just couldn't imagine doing that. I couldn't imagine just just that oh. she did. Like I, yeah. I wanted somebody to call her a bitch. I just needed. <laughs> I, I'm completely with you. I could not stand her character and the fact. I also got mad at. Ben Stiller's parents and other characters that were basically telling him that he should give her a chance. I was like, are you serious? If, if somebody cheats on you during your honeymoon, I don't know if there's a clearer red flag, like, (laughs) you know, like outside of violence, like this is like very obviously she told you who she is. You need to listen. Um, And yeah, of course she's coming back to you now that her fling got boring. And, and, you know, you have a steady job and you bought this place for you to move into with her. And she wants to have that security with you before she finds her next person to sleep with. I mean, it's like all I wanted was a scene where she just like comes into the room and she like sees that all of her throw pillows have been stabbed. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that was like the big like, um, like, oh, cathartic scene where Jennifer Aniston is just like just Stab the throat pillow. Stab him. <laughs> yeah, I won't lie. You know, it was one of those scenes that did feel forced where it's like she's so like, just free yourself. And I was like, again, what? <laughs> but at the same time, watching it made me wish I had throw pillows to stab because it did look really satisfying. No, yeah, it did. Oh, yeah. And this is after they have sex, which their sex scene is like the only interesting scene between them. So I don't know how I forgot it where he where he's like trying so hard. <laughs> to last longer he's trying so hard not to come like I felt that in my spirit like I got (laughs) and and he of course he does try to spank her and you know ask who her daddy is and she's like what (laughs) um none of these movies have like like sex scenes where there's actual sex. Like, I mean, the good thing about Ben Stiller is that like, because he loves slapstick so much, like he's not afraid of giving us a sex scene. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. But, but, yeah, but yeah. I agree. Like a lot of these movies don't really have sex scenes. And sometimes I don't know if it's because they want the sex to be sexy and they know they don't have the range or if because they, they feel uncomfortable with putting comedy in it. I'm not sure, but I have noticed that so many of these movies just kind of like, you know, the bedroom door closes. And I mean, and I guess in a lot of these movies, it doesn't actually add to it unless you have really written the scene. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, so Deborah Messing is back and she sees Polly and she's just like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. I'm the wife. And of course she's, she's on her whole apology tour. Right. Um, and but it's not it's very obvious she's not so, really that sorry because she's manipulative in her apology. It's very much like, I'm so sorry, but, you know, obviously you should forgive me. 
Like, I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm Deborah Messing. Like, I, could, yeah. could you do better than me? Yeah. Like, I felt like that's her whole, her whole vibe. She doesn't say it. She's like, could you really do better than me? Yeah, it <laughs> has that vibe of like, oh come on, I'm, I'm hot, and you know, I love you, and this woman this doesn't woman even call herself her your, your girlfriend. So. <laughs> Oh, we need to mention that uh, another subplot with Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, whose name is Sandy. Is it Sandy? Yes, Sandy Lyle. Um, he is <laughs> filming his own E True Hollywood story that he is planning on like finishing and then send and then submitting to E. <laughs> again, another peak two thousand four move, and just like such a funny bit. I I was dying. I was also dying because I was like, I, comedians are doing that stuff now. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> like, he was ahead of his time. <laughs> yes, that, I was trying to figure out what his energy was, and it was totally, like, male comedian <laughs> energy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> that, that was so funny, because especially because Ben Stiller's character believed that he was really getting filmed by E! True Hollywood and then eventually it was revealed near the end. But but I also felt like that spoke more to the fact that Ben Stiller really... It's not that Sandy was this amazing friend. Sandy's very much in his own world, but Ben Stiller doesn't really know anything about his friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, I don't know why, but, like, it's weird. Sandy is always talking and it's like, you're not listening to him talk. Like, I know that he's endlessly talking, but could you, like, listen to some of what he's saying? Yeah, you could, like, keep the the, the cliff notes, you know, get some bullet points. <laughs> but, like, he really just doesn't. Um so, yeah, Deborah Messing is, like, really, you know, she's sending him gifts, she's apologizing, and now he's in this whole internal conflict because, in in her true fashion, Jennifer Aniston is immediately like, oh, well, you know, your wife's back, whatever, I'm leaving anyways, so, like, don't worry about it. Which, again, confirms my feeling that she never really liked him that much. Like, she lets go so quick, and she never really complimented him. It kind of felt like she was just like, well, he's here. Uh, yeah, I, I felt like she was just kind of like, I, I've I've dated in that way, like when I just I didn't I didn't know what to do with my time, and I was just like fine, like the sex is like fine, and like or, uh, like I get to eat somebody's buy me some food. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've definitely I feel like when, uh, but again, I think this goes back to the age thing, which is maybe unfair, but like, yeah, I feel like in my early twenties, I did a good deal of that because I also yeah exactly like I did that in my early 20s (laughs) yeah like I didn't really know what I wanted from a relationship um and so I needed to just kind of bum around and figure it out but she's in her 30s and like wasting his time but also he's still married so it's just a mess yeah, he's wasting his time, and she's wasting her own time. Like you're walk, you're going, you're getting out of your house in New York. Like even pre-quarantine, you're getting out of your house in New York, and you were getting on the subway or some kind of transportation. Like you have to want something. Yes, that's a lot of. You're getting exposed to a lot of pathogens, <laughs> so that you can go sit across from this man who will shit his pants. <laughs> like shitting his pants. I've never, yeah. never in my life have I ever had an experience where I went out on a date with a guy and he shit. Like if he shit, he hit it so well that I had no idea that it happened. That has never happened to me. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. I don't think, um, yeah, never when it was like a new thing, like sure. Relationships, not shit, but you know, like, yeah, you're going to have weird stomach stuff, but, (laughs) but yeah. Uh, I mean, Deborah Messing like almost kind of creeps back into his life, but he's still obsessed with Jennifer Aniston and Jennifer Aniston's. So what he ends up doing is he has this like risk assessor on his computer and bullshit. Yeah. And he's talking with Philip Seymour Hoffman and he decides to enter both women into his risk, you know, assessor to see which one he should be with. Um, and technically the risk risk assessor says that Polly is the better choice. And Philip's like, kind of like, Oh, come on, man. Like Polly is not the better choice. Like she doesn't want to settle down. Like she's going to run away and like, yeah, Deborah cheated on you on your honeymoon, but like she's back and like, she wants to get married and, you know, or stay married, I guess it's the best way to put it. Um, so he like has it on his computer and then in this like very chaotic scene, where they're on a boat, um, uh, Polly, he's, he's basically trying to get Polly back, but, but then Polly sees his computer and that completely derails it because she's like, you put me into this risk assessor. And then she reveals that her parents got divorced. And that's like the big reveal, <laughs> the big reveal on the boat. Yeah. Oh, the, the boat is related to a plot that we have not mentioned because it, is the kind of plot in this movie that is just there. I feel like it's just there for like hypothetical straight men in the audience that get bored. <laughs> Cause it's just like this guy doing a Steve Irwin impression. Um, rest in peace, King. Uh, like just like he, there's a, there's a scene where he jumps off a building early on and like and he's just chilling his whole thing is that he just like does like crazy shit and he's just chill about it he jumps off a building and he's chill about it he like breaks his tooth and then and his mouth is filled with blood and he's chill about it and then he like has them on this boat for some reason and like disaster strikes on the boat and the whole thing is that like he needs to get cleared for insurance to start a business and the insurance people have to be like, we have to know if he's like a disastrous person that will like fuck up with our, fuck up our investments. And like, he is like, the joke is, is that he is, uh, but, uh, for some reason, Ben Steeler's trying to close the deal anyway. Cause it's like, there's like a lot of money in the deal and you know, the rom, the rom-com thing, or it's like, you got the big presentation, but in this movie, it's, um, they don't even do that because he has to chase after Polly because she's leaving. And so then Sandy has to do the big presentation, which he like uses as like an acting exercise. <laughs> I honestly love it. <laughs> Definitely a great moment roasting um, the theater of corporate culture. Yeah, because oh, the speech that he gives is ridiculous and bad. And he's essentially just like, this is a terrible investment. But isn't that what America is about? Terrible investments. It was very funny and very <laughs> silly. And then, of course, we have like a a chase scene in an alley, which sounds terrifying, but it's like the daytime and it's like Ben Stiller catches Jennifer Aniston as she's late for her flight. And he's just well, like, like, she, she left her ferret. She, yeah. Because of course she has a ferret. Um, and 
you know, he's a just blind like, ferret. He's like, I want to be with you. But again, it's like this, this moment happens in so many movies, but because they don't really have anything that they bond over, um, like they don't even like the same food. <laughs> like they don't even like, they really don't, I, they don't bond over anything. They're just there. Um, but he like talks her, I mean, you know, they end up together. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> um, both of them have been in movies that have these moments that work better. Um, that doesn't mean they're good even. It just means like, I just don't, it's just so underwritten with their characters and their chemistry. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. Cause like, there's so much Jennifer Aniston that we're going to have to give her on this podcast. And this was the one Jennifer Aniston movie, this and the bounty hunter that I had like li- never seen. Like, I think I've seen bits and pieces of all of her other ones, but I've never seen any of this. And I've never seen any of the bounty hunter. And like, I don't know. I had like higher expectations for this, honestly, because I just, yeah, because like, you know, there's, there's a promise of like her getting to do more than she actually gets to do. I don't feel like the movie really gets her. I don't really think that this role is right for her. The more that I think about it. I really don't think so. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it it's right for her, and I expected, I expected it to be bad with the romance part, but I thought it would be funnier than it is. And yeah, obviously funny moments, and like Philip Seymour Hoffman's super funny, and it's like the actors in it are funny, but it's just not funny enough to get away with having such badly written romance. Yeah, I think it's like that. I don't really buy Jennifer Aniston as the like quirky flighty girl like jennifer aniston has always struck me as like a serious character like even like even in friends which is a show that i don't like and she's supposed to be like the rich one and the spoiled one she still like has like a whole like like primped thing about her that just makes me feel like she can only be spontaneous up until a point and like her also her version of spontaneity is still just like still like upper class kind of like a rebellion you know what I mean I do yeah um because she I I read her more as someone who can play neuroses well um neuroses that would be interesting perhaps to the you know male love interest but that's different than somebody who is like the spontaneous woman like the spont- like you know what this role is? This is this role is a Maggie Gyllenhaal kind of role. This is who you call Maggie Gyllenhaal yes, for. Absolutely, totally, totally agree. I was I was racking my brain for the right actress, and you you hit it on the head. Yeah, I well, I recently wrote about some, um, one of my patrons asked me to write about Stranger Than Fiction, and I watched it, and I was just like, you know, Maggie Gyllenhaal just is this character. <laughs> I love her so much. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think that if you want to watch a movie about, like, a quirky girl, like, messing with a guy, I mean, there are so many versions of that, but, like, you could watch Stranger Than Fiction. I love that movie. It's, it's like, basic, it's basically the good version of this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fun, and it's a lot more developed as far as, like, the characters and funnier. Um and like Maggie Gyllenhaal plays an anarchist baker. Like I just those two things together, like 
I didn't understand it when I was a kid, but now that I'm an adult, those two things together make so much sense. Well, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, let me grow my own yeast. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna crush the flower uh, with my anger towards uh, capitalism. <laughs> and it also has like a better setup for how he, how like she meets the nebbish guy because he's auditing her like i believe that that's that's exactly how they would meet oh yeah sure yeah it, the, the context is fully explained and so it sets it sets it up for them to have this you know unlikely connection yeah yeah <laughs> But, you know, it was nice to, I, it was nice that it was a movie. It was nice to see Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, rest in peace, King. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> the week that he passed, I was working at this cafe in Chicago and there was a semi-regular who looked a lot like him. And I was so sad. I gave him free meals. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, one of, one of the greatest actors that we have ever had and an actor who doesn't take himself so seriously that he wouldn't be in a movie like this because he was already a well-respected theater and like film actor when he took this role and you he didn't need the money he took this role because he wanted to play this role yeah he liked he liked it he liked acting he wanted to have fun and you can tell that he had fun with this role if you ever want to watch a rom-com that also has like a little bit of Philip Seymour Hoffman in it, there's a movie called um, Next Stop Wonderland. And in the beginning, like he's he's the shitty boyfriend that like breaks up with the girl. So like she gets on her journey of like meeting someone. He just like he breaks up with her and then he gives her like a VHS tape. And it's like on this tape are all of the reasons that we can't be together. <laughs> and it's one of the best things I've ever so incredible like also such a time capsule move it's 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 so it's so good yeah also watch next stop wonderland because that's because just that's the opener he's in the opening and he doesn't come back until the end so you get to spend the whole movie just remembering him in that vhs beautiful gift and then he leaves and he knows that's all he needs to do uh <laughs> well my dears this has been fun. I feel like this, um, yeah, this was a movie and we've given recommendations for better movies, but it's also not one that if you watch it, you're going to be like, wow, I just ruined my day. <laughs> yeah, I think it's still streaming on HBO. Like you can watch yeah. it. Like it's fine. You're just going to see Ben Stiller on the toilet a little bit too much. Yeah. I don't need to know that much about that man's bowel movements. <laughs> Truly. Um, well, our theme song is by Clutch Douglas from Seattle. Um, and you can check us out on all of the, all of the places, the Spotify, the iTunes, whatever you like to use. We love reviews. We love talking to you on Twitter. We love, um, you taking care of yourself, drinking water, sleeping, wearing a mask when you're outside. I've been Bronwyn Isaac. I've been Jordan Searles. Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah.